Now. Mesdames, Messieurs, bonsoir. That was good, wasn't it? Good evening. This is the uh, podcast you may affectionately know as FFW, or for those hipsters amongst you, it's French Football Weekly. I am your host, Chris, and uh, I'm joined this week, delighted to be joined as usual, by regular cohorts, uh, Phil, first of all. Good evening, Phil. Good evening. And to uh, the returning Jez. Good evening, Jez. Hi, how are you doing? All good, thank you. All good. Nice to have you both here again. Um, we've got a packed show for you this evening, so we shall waste no time whatsoever. Similar format to last week, so for those of you tuning in for the first time and saying, who's that weird-sounding guy? I am your new host, Chris, so uh, thank you once again for tuning in to us. Let's crack on then with the week weekend, I should say, that was in Liga. Uh, we're going to uh, focus on three particular games and uh, chew them over. So the weekend's action uh, obviously started on the Friday, but we're going to skip over PSG's 3-0 win over St Etienne because, frankly, we all knew it was coming. We're going to uh, start uh, I'm gonna start with you, Jez, and we're going to talk a little bit about Amiens Nice. Um, <laughs> we'll come on to Nice in a moment because, fair to say, they've had a bit of a turbulent week, month, year. Not year, but you know what I mean. They've had a bit of a dodgy time. But let's give Amian the praise they deserve. A 3-0 victory uh, in the multiplex. Uh, Gael Kakuta. Remember him, Chelsea fans? No? Okay. Uh, and uh, two goals from Konate as well. 3-0 victory. So three goals, a clean sheet against a side that finished high in, in Liga third, and if I remember rightly, last season, and, and formerly a Champions League side. What did you make of it, Rich? Amiens, uh, that good or Nice, that bad? Jez, not Rich. Sorry, Jez. <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> um, I, I mean, as you said, we'll, we'll come on to Nice, and you know, to an extent you have to um, sort of, they need to share the credit, if that's the right word, for, for the result with Amia. But as, at the same time, all credit to, to Amia. I mean, last week, they they took a bit of a pasting. Um, I'm trying to remember who against now. But, um, yes. Um, but I thought actually that was slightly harsh on them. Um, I think they had decent chance, chances. They hit the woodwork twice with two fantastic shots. That were, were both quite unlucky not to go in, and they were. Last week they showed all the hallmarks of kind of being the toit of two or three years back, where they uh, played lovely football and it just didn't happen for them. This week everything clicked. You know, cracking free kick from Kakuta, who, like you said, you know, at Chelsea he was going to be the next Zidane. Didn't really happen for him, but nice to see him sort of smiling and and showing what he's what he can do um and then a couple of goals from Konate the second one made superbly down, down the wing just to tap in in the end but um you know they, they showed some really nice teamwork and I think it's you know that's the hallmark of the team that they've been together a while they've they've experienced a couple of promotions together and and you know they know each other well. They know their strengths. Obviously, you know the two scorers are newcomers, but the spine of the team has been together a while. The concern is that you know having gone up from Nacional to Liga in a very quick time, that this might be a step too far, and they may struggle to to sort of last the season. But I think we'll probably see quite a few. Uh, weekends like this one where you know it all clicks and there are 
you know, really good team to watch. Yeah, I think you made some very, very good points there. And we, we do, at this point, Phil, we have to address the elephant in the room. I think we had a, a question, didn't we, come in from one of our mm-hmm. listeners, which we could sort of splice into this. Um, I'll give that person some credit if I can find their question here. Somewhere. Yes, this was uh, Jules Corb uh, asking ah. us, analyse the OGC Nice paradox. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where do we begin? I mean, Johan Cardinal, I thought, probably could have done better with the free kick as good as it was um he then goes on to make a, a stunning save which i think sums up cardinal quite nicely mm-hmm. can do the extraordinary and fall apart with the, the fairly routine although has to be said it wasn't a routine free kick but i just felt he could have done better it's, cool. it's called ruffiaitis oh i like it i like it let's see what you've done there jez um <laughs> but also we we touched on it pre-record didn't we Phil, about the the jean-michel seri situation in that that Nice have seemingly angered a player who was previously quite happy to sort of stick around and do what he does. And now he's looking for a way out. It seems um, there was all the issues with Lucien Favre and uh, Mario Balotelli and his mm. jewellery. Oh, Mario, you don't help yourself in midweek. Um, Wesley Schneider clearly not fit yet. It's just the wheels are coming off a bit, aren't they? And is this a case that this is just another poor result or is it deeper than that? Because I can't see Favre sticking around well, too long if this carries on. Interestingly, the first leg of the Champions League playoff, when they went to Napoli and they lost 2-0, and they went down to nine men with two red cards. After that game, Favre, in the post-match interview, was so laid back, he was practically horizontal. He seemed fine with, yeah, it happened, whatever, we'll go back home and we'll try and get a good result there. He seemed really kind of chilled out about the whole thing. He was even asked who's going to score the goals because player had been sent off and whatever, and just said, on verra, we will see. And so it, he seemed like he was really kind of okay with everything. And then obviously the second leg, they went down by the same scoreline, but at home. And the being down to nine men thing was mostly because Mario Balotelli was playing. And his reaction father's reaction to that was just come night and day from the previous week he seemed really angry disappointed and that was kind of extended on to this that he looks like he's kind of got very cross now and some of that is down to Seri being absent perhaps at the weekend because of that whole situation which seems ridiculous on several levels but it doesn't look good. They're going to have to pull together, all of them pull themselves together pretty quickly because otherwise this looks like it could be kind of a simmering into a kind of toxic situation. So it is very strange that things have changed almost this quickly. There have been a lot of of changes, people leaving, and Seri would have been another big player to leave. Will he still leave? Well, that's going to have to be done in two days. So that's going to be, you know, a a chaotic situation. It doesn't look very good at the moment. So they're really going to have to pull together and try to kind of get over this rather awkward situation that they seem to have generated at the moment. Mm, yeah, too right. And um, just quickly, Jess, before we move on from, from the Nice debacle, debacle, if you will, um, the, the president, uh, Jean-Pierre Riviere, has 
quoted as saying that, that, that Seri will remain. Um, I think I tweeted and quoted that and said, we'll see if you feel the same way when the bids come rolling in on Thursday. Um, is it as simple as keeping Seri at the club to to sort of rejuvenate and go again? I mean, Alisson Player is still finding his way back to fitness, but I think you know, he'll get goals. Um, Mario, who knows? Schneider is still a very talented player. That squad looks good. Um, could you even make an argument to say Cosiello could step into Seri's shoes? Is is Project Nice broken? I guess is my question to you, whether Seri stays or goes. I don't think it's broken. I just think that I mean, it's a bugbear of mine. I just feel feel like I bring up every single August that it's just a, it's so frustrating that any apart from the you know top one odds two and you know even if you look at Monaco and how that sort of championship winning team is is being ripped apart, albeit for a hell of a lot of money. Um, it's just so rare that a French team that does well is able to stay together in order to kind of try to build on on what they've achieved in sort of in, in the previous year, either in Europe or just consolidating in the league. Um, but, you know, if you compare it to Monaco, Nice actually haven't lost that many players. They just have, they've lost, I think, a couple of influential ones. I think mm. Paul Bass is very underrated. And oh, I think the, the two fullbacks mm. were a crucial, you know, um, Pereira and Dalbert were a crucial part of how they played. I think Suke is excellent, but I think so far they've played at left back either Saar so. or Jale, neither of whom I think are left backs. So I don't think that helps them. Um, and Cosiello, we all like, but he does seem to have sort of tailed off in the last year or so. Um, Seri, you know, the comments that he came out with this week, it, that, that relationship looks pretty broken. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if they may take a hit and, and sell him anyway. Um, I, I didn't entirely understand the whole thing about how PSG got involved in scuppering the Barcelona deal. But, Neither did um, we. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I do feel... I feel like maybe just the other thing that we, we've referred back to so many times over the years is how when Montpellier won the league there was a kind of perfect storm you know, mm. no injuries everyone at the peak of their form I think there was there's an element of that with Nice last year um, obviously player and Cyprien both got serious injuries but both sort of closer to the end of the season and everything just clicked into place I think on paper they've still got the talent and I think Favre was definitely um as good a manager as any to to get the best out of them. It just feels like at the moment he's not 100% sure what his first team is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Just work to be done potentially between now and the end of the deadline for for Nice as well. I expect there to be a little bit of movement, but we will leave Nice there for this week. And again, full credit to Amiens because the clubs who beat the the quote-unquote top clubs are often forgotten, but a very good performance from them. We will uh, instead turn our attention to our next game we, we wanted to focus on. Uh, which Dijon Montpellier is is my chosen game of, of choice for number two. Um, so what what did you make uh, of Dijon? I mean, these are the sort of games where at home, in front of their own fans, they needed a performance, they got a performance. Uh, we'll come on to Montpellier in a minute, but two goals on home debut for Benjamin Genot against mm-hmm. his former clubmate Benjamin Lecomte, uh, all the Benjamins, um, literally. And uh, a good result this for, for Dijon because, as we say, I mean, these are going to be the games they're going to look to. Is it as simple as win your home games, stay up, 
or are they going to need to be a little bit more, shall we say, rigid away from home? Because they did give up quite a lot of away performances last season. Well, I think what they had on their side last season was that they scored goals. They scored a lot more than those around them in the bottom half. So having the occasional flaky moment at the back kind of wasn't as important as if you were playing fine margins. And, you know, while, um, you know, they've had to make some changes there, they still seem to be attacking things with Vim. And obviously, Jeanne, as you say, coming in with a brace is you know, great for his confidence, but also shows a degree of that replacement system working. Obviously, Montpellier helped a lot um, in, in that situation. You know, it's they've got four points after four games, having played Caen, Toulouse, Strasbourg and Dijon. I mean, that's, that's not good. And uh, it looks like being another fairly tense and frustrating situation for Montpellier fans, of whom I am one. Um, so, yes, it could be another interesting um, kind of run, trying to, trying to make it to, to, to vague safety, I think, for, for both of them. Um, so, you know, they'll be in and around the looking slightly troubled in spring uh, group and then it's going to be who can get themselves out of out of that I think but yeah uh, Congre's assist obviously for Geno's uh, first was was lovely um, slightly unfortunate obviously um, Giovanni Sio with the the goal from Montpellier so that's his debut goal hopefully he'll be able to come in and, and at least replace some of the goals that uh, Steve Mounier provided last season but you know, the second um, the second goal for Geno it looked fair on the balance of play um, for, for Dijon to take that. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to, as you say, having the home form is, you know, a great thing if they can nick something on the road because they do break uh, pretty fast and can always cause a surprise, then, you know, they, they'll get something there as well. Yeah, yeah. Did you want to, um, did you want to have a moment with Montpellier, if you will? We could, it could be a segment all of its own, but... Um, I, I, one, I suppose one question I, I would ask is Casimir Ninga. Mm-hmm. Um, is he kind of key this season to get him back to where he was last season? Because aside of their kits, which are delightful this year, I'm, I'm not convinced with what I've seen yet. No, I think obviously we're all delighted that um, Casimir Ninga is, is back and, and playing at pace. Um, along, along those, uh, along the, the left side. What's also uh, good is that um, Benzer on the on the right appears to have been, uh, you know, doing a doing a good job. A lot of a lot of speed there. It's the issue seems to be, you know, who's going to pick up up front if Sio is now bedding in. That's very useful. Um, Paul Lan obviously is playing everywhere kind of behind them as we're trying to get more people in. Uh, Jérôme Moussillon also is good to see him back and kind of flying. Him and Ninga on the same wing will terrify any right back, I think, in the league. So it's just going to be a case of can they gel, get over um, some of the issues that have that have come so far and they've got some tough matches coming up because it's Nantes and Troyes next and then it's Montpellier and then it's Paris Monaco, then Nice, then Saint-Étienne, then Rennes. So it's kind of, they need to, to pull themselves together after the international break pretty quickly uh, to, to make sure that 
some inevitable defeat in that next run don't start causing big problems i think yeah yeah well said well said um i'm gonna spare you dijon montpellier rich uh, rich yes i've got to stop <laughs> calling you oh this is gonna this is gonna happen a lot i can see this coming <laughs> I'll stop speaking to you both on a regular basis. Jez, I'm going to spare you that game because I want you to uh, give us your thoughts on Toulouse-Rennes, which is our, our sort of final game we wanted to highlight. 3-2 um, victory for Toulouse, um, including a delightful volleyed finish from Issa Diop, of all people, from a corner. That, that wasn't half a crashing finish, that one. Um, but is the bigger story Ren in this game? I mean, that's probably why I thought of Rich because I can hear him now and see him now sat there head in hands just sort of shaking his fist in the vague direction of the of the podcast um but i mean they're in, they're in trouble aren't they i mean gorkouf is under pressure they're sitting second bottom of Liga, minus two goal difference two points from four games um i mean is it is it that bad or is it just a question of things needing to click um i think apart from the top couple of teams ren have arguably had the best summer in the transfer market um, I don't know if it was on the basis that they knew they were going to get a lot of money from the Dembele sale or not, but they've spent a lot. They've spent freely, and I think they've signed some very good players. Um, I've spoken to Rich about it a couple of times, and I don't know how much of it is all down to bitterness that they got Saar off mess. But I, as much as I've always loved him, I'm, I'm starting to wonder. I, I thought it a little bit last year. I'm thinking it even more now is Gorkouf a little bit past it? Because I don't think he's had the worst team. I don't think he had a, such a bad team to play with last year. He certainly doesn't this year. And nothing's really clicking there. They've got some really good youngsters. Um, you know, as Rich has mentioned a lot of times, good defenders, but you know, arguably Ben, Sa- ben Sabahini's being played out of position and not, not to his strength. Um, I, I think... With with their signings, I saw a couple of people tweeting, you know, they could be the surprise package this season, the surprise challenger for Europe. And I, I replied to a couple of them at the time. With the players they've signed, I don't think it should be a surprise. I think it would be a disappointment if they're not challenging for Europe. And you know, they haven't had the toughest of starts either. And to be down there, I think, winless so far is, yep. I think, very disappointing. Um you know, it was it was a crazy game at the weekend. I, for me, the highlight was probably Dupraz's trousers. Um, <laughs> it's it usually, very, isn't it, where so this is you know new, new season, new new kicks. Yeah. yeah, it was either that it was it was it was kind of a throwback to Jesper Panovic and the, and the goal, sort of <laughs> bright pink trousers. Quite and the other thing was um, the the bit when after um, the sort of Toulouse calamity, which led to Ren's second equaliser. Dufraz's reaction to that, just sort of lying across the, the dugout with his back to play. Um, it was a, yeah, it was, it was a, I mean, it was a fun up and down match, but I think Toulouse probably deserved to come out on top. As you said, I think Diop's goal was fantastic. And for a centre back, letting it go across his body like that and finish like that was a brilliant goal. Um, Bourigeau's foul for the for the what was the winning penalty was just absolutely I don't know what he was thinking of. Um, yeah. So you know, as as critical as I possibly was about Gorkouf there, there's 
you know there's not much he can do to legislate for stupidity like that mm -hmm. but I, yeah I think there's something that's not right at Ren and in the past you know a lot of Ren fans are sort of self-deprecating say that you know Heart back to the last time they won a trophy and joke about um, how bad they are, how they choke, that kind of thing. This season, I really don't think there's an excuse. I really think they've got a good squad there. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. And Jesus, we don't have picked teams on this podcast, don't we? If you look at all our teams, I mean, mine's in League Duff, for goodness sake. And look at the other three of you. Not mine, exactly. mine will mine will be in a couple of months. Officially, yeah, we'll be joining you. We might be coming the other way. Well, hopefully. Um, <laughs> By the way, quick side note: Did any of you see Dennis Buanga's goal last weekend uh, for Lorient in the in the cup game? My goodness me! If you haven't seen it, wow! One of those where you hit a free kick, it hits the wall, and then comes back to him on the other foot. And he just follows it in. Oh, beautiful! Anyway, that's that's me getting all emotional. Um, <laughs> yes, but yeah, one thing nobody can accuse us on this podcast is of being um, being biased to the, the, the top teams because none of us are anywhere near the top. <laughs> Never mind. Um, just very briefly, Phil, a little bit of love for uh, for Toulouse. Um, I mean, you know, they're, as we said about Dupraz, he's, he's a character, all right? And th mm. they've got enough, haven't they? I mean, that centre-back partnership, I love Diop and, and Julien. I I'm, I'm, must admit, I'm, I'm more of a Julien love affair than, than Diop, although I do love Diop. I love them both. But Julien, just for me, is reminds me of like a young Rio Ferdinand, but more intelligent. Um, <laughs> and without terrible gags and shows on TV. But they have got the semblance of a really good squad there haven't they if if the key players stay fit and and if it's another big if but they get a run of games together where they you know mm. they score the goals needed yeah and um, i mean they've they're kind of they're good fun to watch and obviously depraz is kind of box office uh, to a certain extent but when you think about they've already played monaco and psg away mm. and yes both of those ended in defeat in the psg case a really really big defeat but that's gone. Now that's done. They can get on with focusing on playing manageable matches. And so, yeah, they, they're going to um, obviously pull, I think, uh, pull back up, up the table after taking those two losses and not have to worry about, you know, that kind of thing until, you know, next year. So um, given the kind of freewheeling, free spirit thing they, they have going on for, from time to time, that's a... Uh, um, I think a positive for them. One thing we did also briefly mention um, pre-recording was one of the goal celebrations. I'm pretty sure Dermaz, I think it was with Diop, because Dermaz has got quite a big beard. They were kind of doing a Mayweather-McGregor thing in one of the goal celebrations, teeing up the, uh, the, the circus that happened uh, later that evening. So that was kind of showed a bit the the character that, that the club has maybe that they're, they're having a bit of fun as well as uh, playing some football yeah well said so, and i have to confess i still have my andy delore man crush as well so uh, i'm a bit worried about how many man crushes i'm having at the moment but still i do love him um right so that's uh, the games we wanted to focus on we'll just quickly run down the other results um, as mentioned on friday night psg uh, got us off and running for the weekend with a 3-0 victory with St etienne edison cavani uh scoring a penalty and as usual missing two very presentable chances afterwards uh tiago motta of all people yes he's still a thing people and he still plays uh, and scores occasionally in this game 51 minutes for his and cavani's just to troll me popped up with a third at the end so that's and nice ryan bit. darbo was good Yes, just again. Just want to mention. Yeah, we'll see a obligatory Darbo weekly mention. So, yeah. 
good for him. And indeed, St Etienne's kit was indeed nice again yeah. as well. Uh, Nolt and Leon served up, well, what was a rather dull game, if I must, I must confess. I tuned in and very quickly tuned out. I, well, I was watching it, but very much tuned out. Nil-nil draw there. Um, there were flashes, but not a lot going on in that one. Uh, Bordeaux beaten Trois on uh, Saturday night. Francois Camano, player I quite like. Might have written something about him for the 50 once upon a time. Uh, and uh, that man again, Yunus Sankara. He just keeps scoring goals. Bizarre. Um, and Darby on pulling one back for Trois, but in vain. So Bordeaux with a victory there. Uh, Khan Metz. Uh, Hyde, Jez. Caviarias, mm-hmm. uh, Roddy Rodelan with the winning goal there. Who else other than Santini, of course? But uh, yeah, 1-0 victory for Calm. Uh, and uh, Gangon beating Strasbourg by two goals to nil uh, on the Sunday fixtures. Diao and Jimmy Brion with the goals there. Angers drawing 1-1 with Gibbs Lille. Uh, Nicholas de Preville, who else, of course, scoring for Lille after Koulibaly. An absolutely glorious goal as well. Wasn't it, just... it was an absolutely lovely strike. <laughs> it really was. And he continues to be one of the most underrated players in League Art. But we've been there, done that, haven't we? But um, yeah, a good result for Lille, given what they've been dealing with the last two or three weeks. Um, talking so of the... um, brilliant shots, I recommend mm. looking out for Sacco's shot for Strasbourg as well, which came off the bar. It was a sort of side foot from mm. about 50 yards, which... <laughs> I think would have been a better goal than Fekir's last week. I was going to say, he watched Fekir and thought, aha, I shall do this, I shall raise you and do it myself. <laughs> How gutted must he have been when he saw that come back off the bar, like really? Yeah, yeah well, well, uh, well, good point, well made. Um, that brings us uh, nicely onto our, our next sort of segment um, because there is one game you might have noticed that we've um, we've not mentioned. Uh, so uh, Le Grand Debat this week is uh, it's Marseille. Um, we we shouldn't leave out Monaco, of course, and we'll give them the little bit of credit. Well, lots of credit they deserve. They dispatched uh, Rudy Garcia's men by six goals to one on Sunday night. Uh, but it is Marseille that we want to focus in on the debate this week. Um, Phil, where do we begin with Marseille? I mean, I know that's a bit of an awkward question to just sort of throw in there, but transfers underwhelming, names at least. Um, a manager who said it couldn't get any worse than 4-0 and then goes on to lose 6-1. Uh, kamikaze defending, two penalties conceded. <sighs> a fan base that are, well, emotional is a polite way of putting it. Where do they go from here? Because it just looks to me like same old Marseille, just with a bit more money. Yeah, it was. Um, I if you know you concede within two minutes at a key away game, then that's bad. And then it was a penalty, and then there was. I knew four nil down at half time. I mean, it's you can see why the fans are across. I mean, again, I was saying pre-record was listening to the, the half-time analysis from French TV, there was kind of this debate going on, is this the players or is this the coach's tactics? And Sonny Anderson was making the point that we'd seen other teams with players that you wouldn't put in the same bracket. For example, Mets the week before, hanging on for nearly, what was it, 70, 80 minutes against Monaco and only losing 1-0 because they were organised and they damn near you know, held out as opposed to Marseille just kind of falling apart, Anderson was saying, you have to say it's the tactics. You can't just say it's it's about the players and, and absolve the, the manager from responsibility. Obviously, it's a mix of both. 
but it just looked like one of those situations, I think I wrote about it a couple of times last year when five at the back became a little bit more prevalent in kind of panic-stricken situations. Playing five defenders doesn't necessarily mean your defence is going to be better. If they're not used to doing it, they're not organised and they're just getting in each other's way. So that whole thing where, I mean, Lekeep's got a different setup than OM tweeted, whether Amavi was left back, left wing, left wing back, left whatever, the whole thing at the back just didn't work in, you know, in, in a very pointed circumstance that they kept losing attackers who were running forward when, when there's more of them defending, you would kind of hope they'd have somebody for everybody. It did look extremely disjointed. But what's really weird is looking at the stats, Marseille had more possession. The shots, it was 11 to 14. It was, you know, they were kind of doing things. They were just terrible at doing them, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes more sense than Marseille's defending, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you reckon, Jez? I mean, the, the, the th- we discussed last week on, on, that, well, on last week's show, we, we discussed the the idea that Marseille, whilst it's an uh, appealing club, when you look at this, the, the velodrome is beautiful, the, the setup is amazing, passionate fans, passionate support, there's plenty of money going there for wages, but they, they seem to have really struggled this summer to get those big names. There was this story going around about the, the president not, knowing about Jovetic, uh, wasn't it? Saying that he didn't realise he was on a flight or something. I don't know. Meeting in a helicopter and, and a pa- yeah, that will look massively just, awkward. Doesn't it just? Reeks of, of amateurism almost. And as a man who supports the team going through similar, I can vouch for that. Um, what, 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 how do you fix Marseille? Again, loaded question, but you've got the money, you're in charge now. What do you do? Um, I think it's another thing we've alluded to several times before. I just find Marseille are so similar to Newcastle in a way, although with a, I'll get in trouble now, but better, richer history that they <laughs> kind <a> of <laughs> feel a very big sense of entitlement and are constantly looking for some kind of messiah who you know is going to click their fingers and suddenly they're they're winning and they're back to winning the league and European Cup things like that. It's not going to happen. Um, like that. I think that in general the club looks in a reasonably good position at the moment in that they've got an owner who's willing to spend they have got a decent manager but I've been slightly confused since the new owners came in um, last season and certainly over the summer just that how optimistic all the Marseille fans have been sort of saying yeah yeah we've, we've, we've got third sewn up already kind of thing I, I haven't been although I think they're doing it the right way with slow and steady progression I have apart from Sanson I really haven't been impressed with most of their signings mm. I think a lot of them are sort of uh, sorry that's not fair Germain I think is fantastic yeah um, there's no cover like, for him though no. Yeah, and I, that's that's the thing. I mean, I I just you know signing Evra, signing Rami, are they really? I don't think they're particularly positive signs. Um, they're I letting Cabela. Cabela's apparently off to Santa Etienne. That's correct. I mean, any team that has a campus in the first team squad, let alone as a starter, is clearly not in a position to challenge for anything. I mean, he's an awful player, and any club that's keeping him rather than Cabela I just find really confusing um, I, 
like I said, I do think there's the sort of there's some green roots there, but everyone needs to show patience. I think a lot of the problem on on Sunday, looking at Marseille fans, and I can understand what they're saying, but again, I think this does go back to the same thing: is how disgusted that they they were that the team started or intended to have such a negative defensive attitude. Um, like Phil said, Mess did it last week and held out for quite a while, but that's Mess. Marseille, you can understand why the the fans kind of think we're a bigger team. We shouldn't be sort of closing up shop right from the start. But I know I'm sort of contradicting myself, but Monaco are a far, far better team than Marseille at the moment. Um, but again, you know, you concede a, a soft goal from a free kick within two minutes mm-hmm. when you set out just to defend a, to try to get a nil-nil, then then you're in troubles in, immediately. I mean, when you by the way, somehow I watched I watched about ten minutes of the first half and somehow missed all four goals in that. <laughs> I'm 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 looking at the the timeline and, and that's a very small window that you missed. I'm guessing twenty-two to thirty-two minutes. Something um, like that. Something like that. I mean, when you think about obviously Garcia's first match was the the nil nil away at PSG when they did do that, and I think that was accepted the defensive nature of that because the situation had become so dreadful, and it was his first match, and it's away at PSG. So God, anything you do is fine, but it should be remembered they had no shots in that match, not just non on target no shots in that match obviously that was never going to be allowed to happen again the problem was they set up defensively for this match which annoyed some of the fans and then fucked that up which it kind of compounds the problem i think mm. I'm, I'm not convinced by garcia at all i, I have to say that roma he was he was not really liked um you know when sometimes something just doesn't feel right and you can't really quantify it in depth but something just I don't know I just think a club of Marseille and and this almost backs up everything you just said there Jez and almost goes against everything you just said but a club of that stature I just feel should have more of a marquee um, razzmatazz type of of leader and I'm not saying that would solve everything it wouldn't but I just feel until that happens there's always going to be these question marks about him and, and you mean he, like, he's only... like Bielsa or Michelle <laughs> well yeah <laughs> well, Michelle definitely not at least Bielsa made it entertaining but um no I just I just uh, Garcia for me only he only plays one way um and that essentially was what got, kind of brought an end to it in, in Italy the fans just got bored and I just don't think he's I just don't think he's got a plan b um so I don't know uh, whether that's a, a Thomas Tuchel who's the probably the X factor available in the in the managerial market at the moment but I don't know I don't know whether whether Marseille will ever be what Marseille fans want them to be um time will tell I guess time will tell by the way one other quick thing they all Marseille fans are very quick to and happy to see the back of Gomis but with all his faults he scored a hell of a lot of goals last mm-hmm. year and they are yeah. missing a, a target man I still think that was quite a strange strange move as well well I mean that was a loan deal so he went back um, and I'm not sure what the situation was with um, trying to get him to come back for another year. It looks like they're going to get Van Kera back. Um, seems to be uh, the recent chatter, uh, which may at least help to shore things up in midfield because obviously Lewis Gustavo does look like um, you know he's, he's going to be helpful in that situation. It's just 
further back that seems to be the problem at the moment. I think Abdenor could be a good move as well yeah. if that goes. Yeah, that's close to being done, isn't it? I think. If I mean, if Marseille need a need a new defensive lineup, I can direct them to North London. We can provide them with plenty of defenders who masquerade as footballers. That's not a problem, honestly. Uh, but you can't have Koscielny. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I've much work to do, and we will see whether it will be a busy window. Uh, what have we got another two days ish for Marseille to get players in? We shall see if any of those players come through the door. Um, we did just briefly touch on transfer business and a salute to Monaco who continue to, to sort of um, defy the odds of whether they can compete with PSG. Um, a one-word answer from you both, literally a yes or no. Can Monaco compete with PSG this season, Phil? Yes. Jez? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Grudgingly, I That's like it. That's how you get an extra basically 30 words in. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. It? Just to buck the trend, I'm going to say no. And I don't like saying no, but I just can't see it. I, the only way I see them competing is if PSG go deep in the Champions League and Monaco pick up points and PSG are distracted. That's the only way I, I see it. I just look at that PSG squad and I just think, how do you stop them? Particularly with a certain gentleman by the name of Mbappe, all but signed mm-hmm. for PSG, albeit on loan for this crazy financial fair play regulations. I'm seriously, this... I think Philippa Clare mentioned something about this is where we have to start talking about the difference between tax avoidance and tax evasion. Absolutely. Yeah, this is basically they're relying on a general anti-avoidance provision because none of the provisions will stop them. And that's risky, risky business. My previous career was was tax consultancy. So, yeah. Yeah, and where he plays and... I think the tweet that Olas allegedly accidentally <laughs> retweeted accidentally, well. yes, yes. For those of you who haven't seen, it was a kangaroo rubbing his bits. Um, that's the polite way of putting it. Um, and I think it was a thinly veiled jab at, at PSG, sort of stating that financial fair play is a load of old balls. I think is probably a good way of putting it. Um, and and who can argue, really? Uh, yeah, whatever you think of Olas, I think he maybe has a point. But nevertheless, would any of us moan if PSG won the Champions League? Don't think we would as French football fans, would we? I don't know. Maybe we'd feel a little bit dirty, but we'd still smile. I, I know we would. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a conversation for another day. We should say, obviously, that as we said in the pod, the transfer window is, is indeed still open. Um, there are still deals being done as we speak. In fact, fax machines are red hot. But we're going to probably look at that next week, I think, aren't we? I think that's the plan. Uh, we could sit here and talk for hours otherwise. But uh, I think Jovetic, the big name probably at the last 24 hours, has been done. And obviously Mbappe is the big story, but that's all but done. And latest talk is Krachan. Off to West Brom. Uh, I'm not sure what he's going to think of Tony Pulis, but we shall see on that one. Um, but yeah, next week we'll we'll cover the big deals that have happened when the window uh, slammed shut, as we're appropriately having to say these days. So uh, that's that for now. Uh, very very quick race down Ligue 2 before we uh, have a look at the French national side and take a few questions from you, lovely listeners. Uh, Love are still top along with Ram. Uh, from the weekend's games. Both played five, uh, both won four, both lost one. So good starts to the season for them. It's interestingly, both lost this weekend. Uh, Lave lost to Nîmes 1-0 and uh, Lorient, hey, managed to beat Ram by two goals to one. Uh, I'm not glowing at all. But goals from Buanga and uh, Coutre uh, got the, the victory last minute winner as well, which was nice. So Lorient are indeed up to third, just a point behind and they're level on points with Ajaxia, who are also joint third, if you will, or fourth, depending which way you look at it. 
11 points. Uh, Orléans are up in fifth on 10 points and Chateau make up the top six. Down at the bottom, uh, Tours, they're having a lovely old season. Uh, not. Played five, lost five. Um, scored twice, conceded 11. Not a good start to their season, I think it's fair to say. Another defeat this weekend uh, to a Jets here 3-1. Lons having an awful time as well. Uh, equally pointless. Sounds awful you said like that, doesn't it? But uh, they lost no, to Orleans. Sounds great. Yeah, I'm sure it does for you, Jess. 2-0 uh, <laughs> defeat for them this weekend. And Cavelli one are also down in the relegation spot. Uh, they lost 2-0 at home to Clermont with uh, a couple of big names down there. Gaz like Ajaxio, Nancy and Osea, 15th, 16th and 17th, respectively. Uh, nice to see Paris FC in mid-table, though. They got a win this weekend. 2-1 uh, against the aforementioned Osea. So that is Ligue 2 all wrapped up for this week. Um, I'm sure we'll have a Ligue 2 expert on at some point throughout the season. So we'll, uh, we'll give you plenty of notice when we get that person on. Right. Uh, before we take some questions and wrap up the show, just want to have a sort of brief chat about the uh, Le Bleu week. Obviously, we are in an international week, which... I have to confess, usually sends me to sleep, but hey, we have to talk France, so we will. Um, Jez, a couple of big fixtures coming up. Uh, the Netherlands come to the Parc de Prince on the 31st, which is the Thursday, uh, followed by Luxembourg at the same venue on Sunday. Um, two victories essential for Le Bleu as they look to qualify for the World Cup? Yeah, I think so. I think generally you get maybe a couple of... Um, I don't know, free passes is the right phrase, but I think France have already used up their lives with a draw against, I think it was Belarus, and then that that um, pretty poor defeat in Sweden. Um, so, yeah, I think it has to be six points. I mean, certainly against Luxembourg, anything less than a win is is pretty atrocious. And you know, having beaten a sort of Holland team in transition away from home, you've got to, France should be winning that one as well. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And Philly, you, are you happy with the squad that, that Deschamps has named? Um, he divides opinion, but uh, he seems to have gone with, I guess, that there's no real huge surprises, are there, would you say? No, I mean, we. one of the questions that, that came in um, on, on Twitter was, just trying to find who asked, but it was basically, is Benzema still being punished? It's... You, you get the impression that uh, when he had the, the press conference, there were journalists saying it's actually embarrassing that he's being asked to repeatedly question after question about Benzema. And it's a bit like, you know, in, in Prime Minister's questions, he should just be saying, I refer the honourable gentleman to the question, to the answer I gave. And in his case, he can say 18 months ago, you know, he, he's, he took a decision and he stuck to it and continuing to ask him about it kind of doesn't seem to be getting anybody anywhere. So I think it is, um, you know, it's a good move. I mean, some jokes that Steve Mandanda is back in the squad now. He's back in France after his brief sojourn in uh, Crystal Palace. But when you look, it, it's a nice list to look at. You just have to kind of work out how it's going to actually uh, kind of come together. Um but, yeah, I mean, happy with the, the selection. There's different kinds of players in multiple positions. And obviously we get to see more pictures of Antoine Griezmann with an amazing haircut, wearing strange jackets, which had somebody on Twitter saying they're playing Coachella rather than Netherlands and, the, and Luxembourg. So, um, you know, I, 
I, I admit I had to ask earlier to remind me who France were actually playing because international breaks just kind of go, go past me a, a, bit, yeah. a, bit, a bit like the transfer window. I kind of try not to look at them until I absolutely have to. How is it in France? Do they have the whole Sky Sports ticker and lots of people running around desperately trying to pronounce names they can't pronounce like Paul Merson? Or is it quite a dull affair in, in France? Well, the right? deadline day. Um, yeah. Well, it's no, it's 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 quite prosaic, really. I I suppose it's and um, one of the funny things that always strikes me is obviously transfer business in 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 Britain and England tends to go on all the time, whereas France definitely doesn't work weekends. So that kind of tends to give you a, a breaks throughout the whole s- situation. But no, I don't. I don't think there's any kind of mad transfer ticker. It's just kind of oh yeah, this team have sold their best player for peanuts to somebody in division two kind of thing as, as news reports rather than it being a big show, but I'm just maybe blanking that stuff out as well. I don't know. Yeah. Don't blame you. Don't blame you. Um, Do either of you want to give a mention to any of the other French national sides in action this weekend? Any of the, uh, I don't know if the under 21s are in action and, and any teams below that. Did you want to give a mention to either of those? The only thing I'd say about the under-21s is I think they are the second. They've got two matches, a friendly and then a first qualifier for, I think, the next Euros that are coming up. And for the first time in quite a while, it's actually not a particularly inspirational under-21 squad, which, who knows, might be a good thing because <laughs> the last few years they've had fantastic squads and failed to qualify for anything. So uh, we'll see if it has the opposite effect this time. Yeah, agreed. I think we, but we, I think we all agree, um, sitting around here now, that uh, a win against the uh, Netherlands is crucial, uh, given the mess they're in, to get the, the sort of campaign back on track. And as you say, the Luxembourg win. I mean, that should be a gimme. I don't want to be disrespectful to our, our Luxembourg cousins, but um, you, you'd think that'd be straightforward for for France. Um, and I will close the sort of French part off with saying, if you haven't seen Alexandre Lacazette's chip in training today have a look it's wonderful um so yes please do have a look at that um okay we'll finish with a couple of questions then we've got about five minutes or so left so we'll, we'll take the best of these um we're just going to give a nod to Jordi's question about uh, Leo Dubois. Um, all three of us hold our hands up and say, we don't really know why he's still at not because we don't really know a huge amount about him. We're just going to be honest. Um, so sorry, Jordi, we haven't really got an opinion on that question, but we'll give you a mention anyway. Um, we had a question from Marseille USA. Can you loan us a back four, please? Uh, no, sorry. I've already offered you Arsenal's. If you can't take that, then we can't give you one. Sorry. Uh, but we feel your pain, Marseille USA. Uh, this is a good one. Um, Jez, at the risk of upsetting Rich, uh, when are Ren going to sign a decent striker? We, we said we're going to leave this one for Rich, but I'll ask you a straightforward yes or no. Are they going to sign a striker before Thursday? <laughs> Um, can I do more than yes or no? Go on then, but make it snappy. Okay, they got Mubele and Saar, who I think are two decent strikers. Yeah. And they were linked with De Preville. I think if they get him, then, then there really are absolutely no excuses. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, can you imagine how happy that would make Rich? He would be a very happy man, wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, good answer. I'll give you that one. Um, bah, bah, bah. Let's give you two together here, Phil. Uh, both Monaco-based questions. Ariane H., who I know well from uh, my pastures of 
trolling around Twitter. So hello, Ariane. Um, he wants to know, why do you think Tielemans isn't starting for Monaco? And on the same lines of Monaco question, uh, Lee, I am. Um, he wants to know, what's the chances of William Carvalho ending up at Monaco? Uh, certainly more appealing than West Ham at the moment. Hmm. I think you know, Jardim obviously is a, a very canny operator. There have been a couple of players who have moved on or look likely to move on. And I think he's only just being very careful about making sure everything's settled before giving you guys starts. So, um, you know, the I think he's in a kind of a slightly upheaval situation. He's trying to limit how upheavally that feels. <laughs> so, you know, Tielemans looks, you know, when you see him kind of warming up, he's not just, you know, waving his arms around and doing the jogging, whatever. He looks really ready to come on. He looks, you know, champing at the bit to get on there and do something. So I think, in a sense, keeping that level of enthusiasm, you know, managing that situation well is, uh, you know, one of Jardim's strong points. Just trying to keep this pressure cooker, keep the lid on it to a certain extent, manage everything manage everything well. Mm, as easy as that, she says. Well, right, come on, they could lose two key players in the next two days, in which yeah. case it's going to be a good thing that Tielemans has been kind of edged into this gently, mm. maybe, um, rather than being thrown in completely blind or having already had bad experiences. So, you know, whatever it's... Uh, He's, um, having seen him on numerous occasions, he's a wonderfully talented player, by mm -hmm. the way. Um, anyone that hasn't seen him at Anderlecht, because you're not as sad as me to watch the Belgian League on uh, popular betting sites in the UK. Don't gamble, kids. It's for, it's for mugs, trust me. But uh, you can watch some rather bizarre football from around the world. And um, whilst the Belgian League is, you know, not the highest of calibre, I think that's fair to say, um, Tielemans has been a, a shining light for Anderlecht before he arrived and he was courted by many top clubs um, and I think he will prove to be a, a very stupid bit of business for Monaco so uh, keep your eye on him trust me he will um, he'll be good um, but that rather nicely segues us into kind of the final question aimed at, at individual before I ask you both the final question um, Jez we all know you have a, a man crush on Thomas Limar um, as, as we all do of course um, Paul who I have a suspicion might be a Liverpool fan um, wants to ask how does Limar differ to Coutinho um, I'll caveat that by saying other than the fact he's four times the player oh did I say that out loud sorry uh, go on Jazz. what do you reckon I reckon he's exactly the same so there's no point whatsoever signing him so leave him at Monaco <laughs> see what you're doing <laughs> and I'm not having it <laughs> um, for a start he hasn't pushed for a move the whole summer um, you know with a lot of the top clubs in Europe courting him he's He's kept his counsel. He's been happy to to turn up for training and play for Monaco and just, you know, not have his head turned. Has played brilliantly already so far this season with a few assists. Beautiful delivery for for Monaco's opener this weekend. Um, I think he's uh, a fantastic dead ball specialist. I'm not sure there's many, if any, in Europe at the moment who, who can match him. Uh, I think he's um, my mind's gone blank. I can't think of the word, but he can play <laughs> on the left, and he I think he's got the potential to be a fantastic playmaker down the middle as well. Versatile, that's the word. Um, yeah. I mean, 
you could argue not necessarily different, but just a brilliant player, clearly a very grounded guy as well. And I just think, um, apart from sort of lightweightness, but then Coutinho isn't exactly the biggest, um, I think the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, and um, I'm um, well. If if he ends up at Liverpool, I, I think I might just find a bridge because it would really upset me. Um, joking, of course, but um, it does upset me. But that said, if Liverpool get him, you are getting a wonderful player. Um, make no mistake about that. So if you haven't watched the French league, a why not? Um, and b you really need to dig out some highlights because he's just got everything for me um, um and i'm getting so tired of sky sports just calling him an orthodox winger jesus oh god i hope it does it, it really annoys me when people report on french football, football players uh, in the uk but that's a rant for another day um, we'll finish with this question then now this has been sprung on us a little bit so uh if you need more time um for this question then we can save it to next week but maybe just pick up one name each or two names each um prabin bikram uh, katwal so i hope i pronounced that right prabin top five young center backs and midfielders in liga um in the interest of time i'm going to cut that to two each okay so you can have one center back each and one midfielder each um phil do you have two names you want to give me well i i was going to two cbs say nanyong and malang Sar if he's played in position would be two good centre backs. Midfielder, uh, I'll go Montpellier and Tashiri. Uh, yeah, good shout. Yeah. Good if, shout. if we're not going to have Brian Darbo because we've mentioned him already, then uh, <laughs> Ellie Shiri is uh, is a very good midfielder. See, now you've you've punished yourself because you've used your Brian Darbo quota ahead of time, which means you're now banned from using his name next well, week. Well, no, so. I was mentioning him last week. I just wanted to make it clear that the Brian Darbo I mentioned last week was actually. Good. So yeah. that's now three mentions. I'm I'm writing these down. I, I will come for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jez, what about you? Any uh, anything different on your list there, or any players you you've really been blown away by so far? It's hard to argue with Nanyon Saab, but just to give a different name, I'd say Kimpembe, who oh, I yes. think is <laughs> fantastic, and I'd still start him ahead of the fraud that is Thiago Silva. Oh, they look so much more comfortable when it's Kimpembe Marquinhos as that centre-back centre yeah. pairing, don't they? Yeah. I, and yeah. both of them are so young. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's hard for me to add to it. And on I massively impressed with Sarah as well um does Julianne count as young probably not um but uh yeah there's the, I mean there's a few out there I I would probably lob, lob into that mix Cosiello who despite his sort of red card recently um I, I just really like him as a player mm-hmm. at 21 um equally Alan Maxima I think he's I'm, surpri- I'm still surprised Monica let him go but I think off the leash he will be a player to keep a really close eye on this season um, people have forgotten Willian Cyprian, another Nice player. That's three for you. Um, he's obviously out injured at the moment, but he'll hopefully come back the player he was when he left because he's immensely talented. Um, that's probably a good list to go with, I suppose. I, go, I go read Le Fifty. There's yes. lots of lots of good exactly. defenders and midfielders in Le Fifty. That's why you're the best around, because I would never have even thought to to uh, revert our <laughs> listeners' eyes there. So yes, um, at French FT Weekly, the pinned tweet, go and have a look. There's plenty to choose from. Uh, and also, one others, I'll just chuck in the mix, uh, Giovanni Lo Celso. If PSG use him, 
Um, he's a massively talented player. So, so good. Um, so if he gets some games, which he probably won't, but yeah, keep an eye on him. Very, very talented. Right. And um, Tielemans, as you said. Before. And Tielemans is absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's so many, aren't there? So many to choose from. But uh, that's, um, I think that will wrap us up then for this week. Um, thank you all very much for tuning in. Um, if you haven't already, do subscribe via various mediums. For those of you asking about iTunes, uh, we're working on it. We're working on it. We, um, we, we kind of been a bit thrown together as a team uh, this season so we're, we're still sort of working out the kinks but we will get to that point at some point but uh, in the meantime uh, Phil SoundCloud is probably the most popular yes. venue of choice yeah and we, we also embed the uh, embed the pod into an article on the site which will be the tweet that goes out but yes you can listen to us directly on SoundCloud as well fantastic so there you go so when we uh, have any more mediums that we're on we will of course let you know uh, via the twitter account and uh, as we said last week we're still sort of in the early part of the season if there's any feedback you want to give us anything you'd like us to talk more about any specials you might like us to do um, then please do let us know and we'll do our best to furnish you with uh, with some audio gold so there you go no pressure um, right that will wrap us up then for this week so uh, i will just thank my, uh, my wonderful crew, um, who of course gave me this position. So thank you, crew. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Jez. Thank you very no much. No problem. Thank you. And of course, thank you to Rich, who wasn't here but still got two mentions. Sorry, Jez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will be back uh, this time next week, all being well. Obviously, we do have an international break, so uh, I'm sure we'll be talking transfers quite a lot. Um, and of course, a little bit of talk about the French national side. So until then, uh, enjoy your international football, if that's possible. And we'll speak to you very soon.